Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Well, good morning and God's morning to you, everybody, in the Jesus and Paula Price show world. Hello, hello, hello. We're wrapping up to one of our last live broadcasts of the year. Just a couple of more before New Year's. And I tell you what, we blinked. And we're in a new place. We're in a new time. We're in a new zone in God on the calendar. And so, I think that my challenge for you today is, are you, I guess my question, are you where you thought you would be at this time this year? Last year when you sat down and you said, you know, I want to I wanna be this, I want to be that, maybe financially, educationally, ministerially, are you where you thought you would be? And if so, why? If so, why not? You can blink. And we keep saying it. You can blink. And it's like, where did the time go? Um, Did you fulfill your plans? Did you honor your promises to the Lord? Did you honor your promises to yourself about your goals? Um, Did this year's life just throw you off kilter and you have not come back around? Listen, do you know who you are in Christ? We have something called the Standardized Ministry Assessments. And the Standardized Ministry Assessments, of course, invented by the one and only Dr. Paula A. Price. I think you may have heard of her before. She's an amazing, amazing woman of God. If you haven't, you should look her up. Google her, Dr. Paula A. Price. Don't forget that A. There's something about the A that people just need to see and say when they say it, Dr. Paula a price as a, as a, as opposed to Dr. Paula B price. I mean, if, oh no, that's Dr. Paula Z price. No, no. Dr. Paula A price is the Dr. Price that we all want to make sure that we are uh, saying when we say her name. She's the one and only, the original. There is none quite like her. And so um, she has created years ago the Standardized Ministry Assessment Series. And right now we're running a special, <coughs> excuse me, a special 15% off for the Prophetic Aptitude Questionnaire, PAQ. Are you a prophet? Do you have prophetic acumen? Okay. You have some? Dr. Price said she has some. Well, that's really good because she wrote something called the Dictionary. Halle. <laughs> the Prophet's Dictionary. She wrote it, and we're, some of us are still trying to get through it. Some. I said some. I mean, some of us have gone through it maybe a couple of times, but uh, others are trying to get through it maybe for the first time. But if you want to find out seriously who you are prophetically, if you're on the beginner, intermediate, or advanced level prophetically, if you even know, are you a prophet? Because, see, can I say this? Like, can I, let's just get this out. Dreaming does not make you a prophet. Okay. Prophesying 
doesn't make you a prophet. Seeing things in advance does not make you a prophet. They do not. Now, they are elements of the prophetic, which is different from the office of the prophet. And so I encourage you to take the PAQ and the MAQ, because the ministry assessment questionnaire is going to, in fact, tell you if you are a prophet or minister or if you are prophetic or if the environment. So before you jump headlong into taking the PAQ, we always recommend you take the MAQ to set your expectations because the MAQ will tell you which office is your dominant office. The PAQ, the Prophetic Aptitude Questionnaire, is only going to give you prophetic information because that's all that's in there. It's like expecting something uh, something other than gasoline to come out of the gasoline pump. That's all that's in there. That's all that's coming out. So the PAQ is only going to give you prophetic information about you. It will tell you if you are called to a different office. It will recommend you, uh, you know, exploring that MAQ because something else in you is more dominant than the prophetic. But we take that MAQ first because truly you should want to know who you are, who God made you to be, and to become excellent in that. Are you excited about this? That was hot for you, wasn't it? Yes. And I can't blame you. You cannot be an apostle and not have serious concerns about the authenticity of the prophets Mm -hmm. that are going to be your silence. You know, you're, but you're going to have a silence. You're going to have all of those other prophets that are in this. As a matter of fact, Prophet Dictionary lists all of the prophets in the New Testament. I remember Apostle of the Future. Yes. You know, I dubbed her that because, well, the future is now. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but it's very interesting. When I first uh, started moving in this, because I wrote my first book, Constructing the Contemporary Prophet, in 1993. It was released here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, obviously apostolic and prophetically because I never thought I'd be here, but here I am. (laughs) And so it was released here, but it was the first book, manual, treatise, if you will, on the person and not just the prophecy. So there, there were attributes, there were traits, there were indicators, markers, and all of those things that we expect everywhere else to authenticate anything, but we don't expect them here. So the book was 398 pages, sold like crazy. I took it off the market because I needed to change some things, and we're still trying to get it ready to come back because by popular demand, all the people who had the first one, they were like, why can't, why can't we get this? I yes, tried to tell them. in the audience. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I had a, a very well-known uh, minister in the kingdom once try and get me to put some spiritual pressure. Listen, you need to pray that Dr. Price put this book back on the market because we need it. It's a textbook and a half. Now, believe it or not, a large part of it is in um, the handbook. But the the publisher didn't put in the part that makes you understand the prophetic in today's environment, which was the whole chapter on the Maori prophets. That's what will be in the other book. And then the whole section on chapter 10, talking about the occult and all of that, that's going to be in the reprint of Constructed Contemporary Prophets. So let me just ask you to do me a favor. Pray for me. My God. Help me. Without ceasing. Please. 
because I have so many works that are just waiting to get out. I can't even tell you how many books I have, but the, the, the volume of, the, of books or material is so great. And, I, you know, you need, pub, you need editors, you need readers, you need proofers. And, and I have been told that mine is probably not that easy to do. Okay, let me just say this. Okay, because there we go. I'm now, what Dr. Price said, it was my first book. Those of us who have written books, not, you know, transcribed from uh, sermons or, but like actually written <laughs> books that did not exist in any other format anywhere else, how many pages is constructing? 398 pages. 300, what size? Eight and a half by 11. Almost <laughs> <laughs> 400 pages. I just need you to understand, your first book. My first book. Was Actually, about- it was my second book because my first book was a pamphlet on uh, salvation, the powers that make the difference. I cut my teeth on that. That okay. was 68 pages or something like six- that. Oh. And eight and a half by 11? No, no, no. no. Uh, nine by six. <laughs> nine by six. six. Whatever. Yeah. Nine by six. So much smaller. Oh. <laughs> so... Just so we're clear on also why she's saying pray for me, because Constructing the Contemporary Prophet is not a pamphlet book. It's not a flyer. It's not an easy read. It's not what you, you know, you're like, oh, I'm just going to lay down for the night and relax and get my, get my little, what's that little thing called, that blanket that they have, I can't what's called, so you just wrap around you, you yeah. get snuggy, you go get my snuggy and my apple cider, sit by the Christmas tree and do some easy reading on the prophetic. I do have one easy reader. What, your book of poetry? Yes. Okay. And even that. <laughs> okay. I mean, it is an easy read, though. Uh-huh. But. I have one easy read, you know, because my, my, my calling is not that. God has a lot of devotional lists and great, great work True. out there. True. Prayer books. And I do have a couple of prayer books. I have a few prayer books. And Adventures those, in those prayer. Stretch you out. Again, yeah. you're, don't go into that casual prayer. <laughs> Yes, Adventures in Prayer is a fantastic book. We have it in the audio version mm-hmm. on the uh, ppmglobalresources.com. Yes. And I do want to jump in here and say, I'm, I'm inserting and taking control of this moment for just a second. This week, our chief apostle, and we will have the clip up as soon as I can get it out of the whole thing, uh, uh, Dr. Price was the guest once again on Newsmax. Yes. Yes, I was. She was interviewed about critical race theory. And the, uh, the uh, 2022 election. Yes, in the 2022 election, she was asked uh, fantastic questions that she was able to give wisdom and insight into. And a lot of your peers and colleagues congratulate you mm. as well and are watching them, watching that interview to get answers themselves. I know, well, because everybody to. has to give answers for what we're supposed to do. Especially since the whole, the whole fear is that the Republicans are going to have a clean sweep, yes. so to speak. Well, they are. But... And we want to know what they want to know. Well, how do we handle this, and what do we do, and whatever? But you will like it. I I did have a couple of hot points that I was able yeah. to share, and I thank God for that, and I thank Newsmax and Lindsay for that. 
opportunity. It was a fantastic interview, and I think it's a great uh, opportunity right now to just highlight the importance of being trained as yes. an apostle and oh prophet and understanding, cause, because we say that these roles are not bound to the church, they were not established in the church, and they're not limited to or ruled by the church, and that their kingdom, you know, we say kingdom, 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 but to understand how many ministers cannot, they're not, I'm going to say they're not equipped, not that they're not even able, as in the resources aren't in them, but they're not equipped to go on a platform like that and answer questions about something like critical race theory and give God's answers and response that are not a string of scriptures, but are, is still his wisdom. And that's, you know, we applaud that. And for you being not just the chancellor and the founder, because you did it first or, you know, something like that, but truly because you're leading the way and modeling when we say we are learning today to lead tomorrow, which is the motto of Price University, learn today, lead tomorrow, that's taking the lead in thought. Yeah, and being a thought leader. Being a thought leader, getting out ahead of a situation and steering people to a direction that is opposite of what Satan has in mind, but not just, again, because it's just rattling off a whole bunch of scriptures. Yeah, and and the interesting thing about it is um, before they became scriptures, they were God's thoughts. Yes. And they ruled God's realm. And we don't think about that because God – a piece that we want to keep in mind, God sent the Holy Spirit to make sure his text would stay correct. Come on. So as much as we want to, you want to hear people, because, you know, Satan's really good at doing his job. He, his job is to deceive the deceivable, <laughs> okay, and to affirm the undeceivable. So his job is to prove those that are true to those that are the Lord and those that are not. That is his job. His job is, uh, remember, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Satan's job is to see to it that nothing like him ever breaches God's realm again. So write it down because you want to know what's the devil's purpose. And, I mean, you all celebrate him like his purpose is greater than Jesus. Oh, come on. You know, um, so that's a whole other thing when we start talking about in my take back campaign because that's what apostles do. And so... Uh, but Satan's job, he, has been, he was repurposed. Write the word, repurposed. The minute he turned on his maker, he began to cogitate his coup. He began to revolutionize the citizens that were susceptible to his line of thinking, his way of thought. The minute he did that, God repurposed him. And he repurposed him because you cannot kill a spirit. Right. You have to quarantine it. You have to curtail it, curtail it, contain it. But you can't kill spiritual beings. Why? Because God is spirit and everything's made from him. So God's not going to kill himself. Right. But he repurposed him. And he repurposed him to do for God what he had done to God. Are you all following me out there? Come on, my social media, y'all following me? Because this is very important. This is how 
you resolve your issues between darkness and light and good and evil and God and whatever. This is how you do it. You do it by understanding the role of all of the characters in this unfolding and constantly recycling drama to every generation. Satan's job is to see to it that nothing like him ever breaches God's realm again. In short, he is to he is to make sure he keeps himself out. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. His job is to see to it that not only he does not get back in, but his job is to see to it that anything with his sperm, with his seed, because you know he moved into Adam to get sperm, anything that's of his seed never, ever gets past God's God's system again. He's the consummate deceiver, but he's also the consummate sister. Simon, Simon, Satan has desired you to sift you as wheat. So his job is to sift himself out of people or to show up to the Holy Ghost and hopefully God's leaders where he is. That's his job. His job is not to be more powerful than the saints. That's not his job. His not, that's not his job. That's not his calling, and that's not his purpose. His job is not to, to uh, convince the church that it's the inferior stepchild of creation. As a matter of fact, the church should have been ruling him. Had we been ruling him, we wouldn't be here. But instead of ruling him, we've uh, the, the, uh, come on, a demon dictionary? Give me a break already. A demon dictionary? I'm not trying to be funny, but a demon? So you need to know more about demons than you need to know about their makeup. Do I think it was useful? I don't really care one way or the other because, you know, it's done. The point that you need to know is that nobody will, treat, will teach you more about the, your, your adversary or your enemy except the person who is trying to get that spirit in your life. I didn't need to know about a demon dictionary. I had a whole Bible tell me about all of the demons after a while. And then after a while, you just start, you know, kind of, you kind of, you know, conjuring. So you're walking around terrified because devils are, are the, the consummate of fear the way angels, God's angels, are the consummate of faith. So you're walking around terrified. You see a blot, that's a devil. You stump your toe, that was a devil. You knock your head, that's a devil. You don't pay your bills and get put out, that's a devil. I'm not sure which part was the devil. You're not paying your bills or they're getting put out. I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but it's the devil. But his job, see, when you, bring, when you take all of this spray net that he got going on then, and you, you bring it down to its core, the core reason that God has not gotten rid of Satan is because Satan was successful in inseminating Adam's seed. So God, for God to do that, he has to get him out of more than the planet. See, that's the books you should have gotten. And that's the training that you should have had. God's job, God's assignment to Satan is that you people, to the point that they will prove whether or not they are the seed that was in me before the foundation of the world. See, and you do that by deception, because the only alternative to truth is a lie, however way it manifests. So you all walking around here, you know, but the devil got power. He should have power. He's supposed to deceive you and make you not think you have any. 
He's supposed to make you think that you are impotent and, and that you are beneath him. But my Bible says I'm seated in heavenly places. That makes me above him. I outrank him. The church outranks him. And we're going to get back to those days when we're outranking and we're ruling and reigning. See, we're going to get back to the three R's of redemption. We outrank him. That's the number one thing. We are seated in heavenly places. That means we rule him. He doesn't rule us. The only reason Satan is winning right now is because he was so smart. You got to give the brother some credit for being smart even in the dark. You know, you get them dark smarts too. He's got those dark smarts. And he's so smart, he talked you out of Scripture. He talked you out of the Bible. He talked you out of the same power that made him, that brought him into existence. He talked you out of the Word of God so that you would not understand that God and his Word are one. And when you talk God's Word, you're talking God's realm. So he talked you out of all of that, and he started making you talk, that's legalistic, and that's religious. You understand that those preachers who told you that had a visitation. They had a visitation. Well, that's just legalistic. Are you kidding? Your whole world is legalistic. You, can, you got stop signs. You got street signs. You got all kinds of signs going on. You got a, a security alarm. Everything about you is restrictive. Why? To keep out the evil and to preserve the good. Everything. And yet we were so ready to break our chains from God. I, want, I just want to break his hold on us. So you broke God's hold, and Satan said, good, now that you're out, I can put my hold on you. And your preacher helped you. Legalistic. How do you fuss about something being legalistic when the scripture says that the government will be upon his shoulders? I can't even understand where that stupid came from. Yeah, stupid. I'm going to call it stupid. Naive. Okay, Jesus told me, stop. (laughs) He did. This is the Jesus and Paul show. We probably need to, we probably need to let him call a shot or two, okay? We're gonna let him call a shot. So but he said naive and gullible. Those are the two words that God gave. Naive and gullible. And that is the way you only take people out when you are dealing with that naivety and you and you're tapping into their gullibility. And both exist because you want something that is so wonderful in your soul that you think it's health and useful to you. So they talked you out of Scripture. They talked you out of Bible. And then they talked you out of the Holy Ghost. And then they talked you out of going to church. And then they talked you out of holy myth. But the problem that you need to understand with all of that is you have to ask yourself, what's the replacement? So what replaced the Bible? What replaced the Holy Spirit? What replaced the gathering of the, together of the saints? What replaced all of those things? Because we ha- you can't just get so caught up in the alternative that agrees with you and that you agree with that you don't lay it against the or consequences because they are there. If somebody's talking opposite to your faith, you need to know it's fear. Yeah, yeah. All right? You need to know that's, that's phobos. That should have been in your demon dictionary, phobos. <laughs> God must be really disturbed about where that's going in these days because he's, he's mm. so somebody's talking opposite of peace, dissension, disruption, that's chaos. Isn't it? So we're talking about that. 
If someone is talking opposite of abstinence, you need to know that that's Apollos, that's Dionysus, that's Diana, that's a whole bunch of them. Eros, I mean, we, they talked you, it talked you into Eros to redefine and redesign your sexual passions. They're now erotic from the god Eros. We can already have Valentine's Day. Y'all need to remember that. See, I'm not going to give you a, a, a list of demon names and not tell you what they show up as and how you can recognize them and discern them. Not that you can walk around because knowledge puffs up, love edifies. So you can walk around puffed up talking about you can name 600 devils. First of all, one-third of them came to earth, so 600 is like a spit. One-third of a countless myriad of devils. So you, so you found out who this, the spit is. Yeah. Okay? But if you're going to move into God's future, you have to come out of your devil class. Because we've been in devil training too long. Devil training leads to devil reigning. I got a thing about. And wait a minute, I got I got Elsie. I brought Elsie. I like Elsie. Come on, girl. Move for me, girl. Move, move, move. Your go. Got the moo cow. Got me a moo cow. I'm killing the sacred cow. We got here because you all became, you began to feast and eat at the devil's table. You did what Daniel refused to do. Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, I don't want your food. I'm going to eat meat. Y'all do the Daniel fast. You give God some Daniel fast once a year, January. But you've been feasting. All of those books, all of those books all about how the devil is and telling you how you can cast them down and you don't know the words of cast down. You've got to have a cast down formula. In order for you to cast out devils, you need a cast out class and not one where somebody is sharing their experiences. The first thing you need to do to become an expert in anything is to understand its identity. You have to identify what it is and what its expertise is. So you need to know the substance before you can become the specialist that becomes the expert. You need to know the substance before you can become the specialist that becomes the expert. And we're okay because you have been talked into thinking. Everything God is easy because it's not brick and mortar. It's not paper, pen, and ink. So it should be easy because you're t- treating him like he's cast with a friendly ghost. Right. The Holy Ghost is not cast. He got a lot of names, but that's not one of them. He's not Casper. And if the Holy Ghost boo you, you better be calling a doctor or an undertaker. <laughs> you don't want God wondering about the one. Boo. Your heart's going to Now, then you're going to die in fear. And it's important that you understand who you are. If you don't know who you are, you don't know where you're going. And the saddest part between the two is that you don't know why you're here. How many people are saying, why are we on earth? I don't know why we're on earth. I don't question it. I'm on earth to be. What is that? Whatever I was meant, whatever I was in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world, I'm that. I don't have questions about why I exist. All of that kind of existential stuff, I don't have that. And I never had it. I never had it because God just obviously rescued me from it. And it's a gift. It's a gift. But I don't have those questions. And I don't harbor those things. I don't sit around and say, God, 
Who am I? I do not think about that. I'm an offspring of the Godhead. I'm real clear about that. I am of the genetic pool of Jesus Christ. Y'all, did you well, buy your dunamite drills? You need to buy some dunamite drills. Read a dunamite drill book. I know I got one around here. I have one. Yeah, I'm with the, the one that's, the, yeah, the nice one, that finished product. We're going get to get your dunamite drill book. And you know why? Because it begins to tell you who you are in Jesus Christ. Why did you get saved? Why did God accept your repentance? Why did God accept you in his family? How did he change you, pass you from darkness to light? You can't stand in front of your aunt. You're so busy trying to learn Aristotle and, and Plato and Caranon. You have not recognized their maker. Let's see. I studied all of their stuff, and you know what I found out? They know nothing. They have now. They pick up a universal humanist knowledge. They, you know, we're all on planet Earth. We all need air to breathe, and we all need to do that. We don't want societies that's going to be wiping itself out and killing itself. And all. they pick that up. I have nothing against them, nothing. But what I do find is that their principles are in Scripture. I did find that, you know, and I was I was reading up on some of that yesterday. So you're doing my book. Get your dunamite drills. Now, these drills are going to tell you everything. First of all, how many of y'all appreciate Prophet Angela on Sunday? Oh, oh, wow. I sit. That girl be going. Now, that's not in the, if ever there was no identity complex, the girl has none. I said, I am. But as many, okay, as many. <laughs> Come on, somebody. In the midst of, there are 30 of these. I think there's 31. Is it 31? So you can have a drill a day. Okay, so today's date is what? The 8th. Is that right? Ninth. Okay, I lived the 8th. Okay. I did so much on the 8th, I didn't want to let it go, huh? Now, to, to that, and now, ironically, this is part of what I am teaching today. Today, I am, come on, come on, Angela. Come on, girl. I am. There y'all go. Oh, no, no, hold on. She said, hold on, hold on. Okay. No, no, no. Uh-uh. Hold it, hold it. Okay, rewind. Come on. I am a citizen of the holy nation of Jesus Christ. Come on, say it. I am a citizen of the holy nation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Baby, that girl, and by the time she gets to the, the last one that we do, we don't do 30 on Sunday because we probably had a sermon. Because <laughs> that would be the whole sermon. But I am a citizen of the holy nation of Jesus Christ. Today when I show you my principality acronym, this is in it. See, you were taught to be human. Satan was so smart, he downgraded your consciousness. He downgraded your, your culture. He downgraded your entire existence to what he can rule because he rules the flesh. Because in the flesh dwells no good thing. So the only thing that dwells good in the flesh, the human soul, psyche, is Jesus. So now, this is dunamite drills. Oh, we have something else, the dunamite drills. I love this part. I get excited. Yeah, yeah because, see, we don't, we, we don't leave you alone. Oh, this one doesn't have it. Is this what? Oh, this is a real, okay. But the one you get will have a QR code in the back. You put your phone on it, and when you do, it takes you to the Warriors Creed. 
and you can start playing the creed that goes with the drill. You want this. This is like two gifts in one. Buy your friends, buy your sister, your brother, your enemies. Get the dog. You know, they're going to have dogs in heaven. Come on, give your dog cats and do my Come on. But make it, get these for Christmas gifts. Yes. And, and, and when you get it, don't just give the book because, you know, you, people are programmed to hear the word Christian and say, I'm not interested. But good. This is really good because this is not Christian. This yeah. is the elect. This is going to tell you, this is about everybody who was in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world, before there was Christianity. This is before Christianity. <laughs> and so, and I, I listened to, I, I put my phone on the little QR play, the Dunamite drill, especially when I know that in those, those early wee mornings when you wake up and witches are praying and carrying on, I got to put my identity on. I was, what does he say? I was in Christ before the foundation of the world. Greater is he that is in me. I love this guy's voice. It's wonderful. I don't know where she got him, but he is amazing. So I got my drills, and, I got, and then we have something else coming. Just keep watch because we have something else. This whole identity pack, you know, people keep talking about identity. But I, see? But this is, a, we have a whole identity pack and a line, a brand coming for you to get anything you want. So that at, at, at any turn, you got a drill. You got one talking to you, one, yes, it's amazing. Honey man, Jesus. You know, I like this man. I love Jesus Christ. Yes. Did you know that? He's the honey man. And don't be talking, don't be writing me about that. He said he's sweeter than a honeycomb, so I'm going to be, he's my honey man. He said it. I mean, I bless me. Okay, we, I mean, you can, uh, everything, he said be, he's been given every name. What did he say? <laughs> so get ready, because now we are ready to go back. Is this my? Okay. Okay. So the first thing we start, oh, can we just, amen, whatever that is. Okay, that makes me feel better. Um, but. This one, we, we've been on this, uh, this journey of Operation 2.5 million, and when I got that, I did not get the fullness of it, but every, every time God and I talk, he starts talking to me about this apocalyptic sovereign elect, principalities of light worldwide. We are, again, the reason I, I, I went after the thing, because somebody should have told you that light excels darkness, and before there was darkness, there was light. See, we should have taught you all about the light so that when the darkness came, you would have been armed, not only equipped, armed to, dis- to discern it and to respond to it or counteract it. The light is supposed to flood the darkness because the darkness can't stand the light. That's why y'all go to them clubs and tearing on everything dark. Satan can't do light. Okay? Now, he likes to pretend he's a light, but no, mm-mm because he can only hold it for a short amount of time, because Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And I need us to be clear about that. He's the light of the world, because light preceded the darkness. I don't care how much they tell you, light preceded the darkness. Because in God's kingdom, there is no darkness. The Bible says God is light, and in him there is no darkness. So in God, God doesn't even cast a shadow. You've got to be flesh to cast a shadow. He doesn't have a shadow because he's light. So the, where are we going in the future? I've been talking and talking and talking about God's future. What is God's future? 
God has a future. And so when she was mentioning prophecy and prophesying and, and all of that, one of the things that we have to recognize is that you may have a future, but your, your future is subatomic to God. So it's a particle. It's a particle of what he's going to do. It's a part of it. Part means part came from particle. Okay, so it's a part of what he's going to do. But God's future has to happen for your future to be valid. And then prophecy must authenticate your future within the context of the Lord, what he predestined, what he prepurposed, what he promised Jesus. I want you to understand, your future will never outrank Jesus' future. It will never happen. God, If God has a conflict, if the Father has a conflict between Honoring Jesus and honoring you, hey, you out. You're out because God promised Jesus that if he got off his throne, if he became flesh, if he walked the dust of the earth as a, as a, a mortal, if he did all of that and then rose from the dead and got back home with that which was in Adam, in him now, that he would give him all things. He said, ask of me, I'll give you the heat as your inheritance. So Jesus' inheritance outranks yours. So that is why you can, you, if you're praying and God seems like he's not answering, probably because you were bumping up against something he told Jesus he was going to do with you or that he was going to use you to do. And that's when you all get mad. But I don't care. Neither does God. Neither does God. God is like, you know, we, we, to have a, a Bible, that's a gift. Right. God does not have to share his mind with us to then have the Holy Ghost? Are you kidding me? You have no idea that this we're living right now is for a particular purpose because God talked to me when Barack Obama was elected. He said, if it wasn't for what I have and what I want to do, he said, I'd wrap the whole thing up and let it take its course. That's how angry he was about that man's president because he knew that man's presidency was a key. As a key holder, and he knew it was a catalyst. And it was a catalyst that would trigger, that would give authority and legitimacy to all of the heinousness that we're living right now. So I want to say something so you all don't get caught up in the religion, because, you know, some of y'all can't help it. Y'all just, y'all can't help it. Y'all got to, we got to pigeonhole everything. So let me just tell you this so you're clear. I represent Jesus Christ. I am an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. As an apostle, I am his thronal agent as the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you finally getting there? So I represent Jesus Christ. And let me understand that Jesus ruled the world before there were parties. He ruled the world before there was a church. But now let me really, let me really put your chair on rockers. Wow. Apostles and prophets predate the church. That's what she said. So we are actually the kingdom, God realm, agents and representatives. We're more than ministers. We're more than messengers. We are agents, thronal agents of the Godhead. When there was no church, there were apostles and prophets. I need you to catch that because you keep trying to bring us down to the church. God had to put us in the church. That's what 1 Corinthians 12, 28 and 29 is telling us because they existed, but what were they doing? Why did God have to say, Paul had to say, the Lord has set these in the church. And let me just tell you why. Who did he write it to? He wrote it to the Corinthians. Because it was already established who a prophet was and even who a, a, an apostle was. 
Moses was considered to be a Salia or Shalia, a type of, of uh, Old Testament or Law of Moses apostle. So right now, you know, this big thing, this big push to, oh, we have to get the church going. The church didn't help itself. It didn't exist. The Holy Ghost brought the church. And when the church came, it was not brick and mortar. It was not a, a, a doctrine. No, the church came, and it came as the seed of Christ. It came to the planet as the offspring of the Godhead, as the apocalyptic elect of God, as God's children. And so God, who was under Moses' law, one nation, is going global. And as he's going global, God is now taking everything that he purged, lived, experienced, and all of that in Moses, and he's spreading it worldwide. We see that in what we call the Great Commission, where Jesus says, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. And so if you don't know the God realm, if you don't know the, the, the uh, history of God's experience with his creation, that is like, uh, uh, uh. No, no, no. First of all, he did not say that to everybody at the time. He said it to the 11 surviving apostles. He did not say to the pastors. He did not say to the evangelists. He did not say to the teachers. I want you to understand it's important that the commission was directly given and deposited in the 11 surviving apostles. Hear this because this is, it gets better. When it's time for them to receive the Holy Spirit and for the eternal version of the ecclesia that Jesus prophesied that was waiting in heaven according to Hebrews 12, Church of the Firstborn, when it was time for it to come into fruition in flesh, Peter stands up and says, but there's only 11 of us. I mean, are you cutting out a tribe? Because there's 12 tribes. We have an apostle for every tribe. So God says, you all pick them to let you know the apostle's authority straight out the gate. Wow. He said, you pick them. So Peter, whom God had already let him know, you're going to be it. You're the guy that's going to form me. And by your revelation of me being not human, but me being the eternal Christ that I am in flesh and defeated darkness and rounded up devils, rounded them up, and embarrassed them throughout creation. So he said, you pick them. So then they gave two names. And Peter, they, Peter said, hey, guys, cast lot, election. 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 Make your election sure. I'm going somewhere with this. So Peter said, cast lots, and they voted. The lot fell on Matthias. So by lot, they voted in Matthias. There's no, remember now, there's no church. So this is a, a civil thing. This is secular. This is civil. Because they are, they, remember, they're, they're, they were handling the kingdom, the same kingdom that they had been trained in and traveling throughout for the three and a half years that Jesus was on the planet. So don't be writing me about being in politics. Because that was political before the church hit the planet. And it wasn't even based on the Gentile church. 
do your homework. If you're going to stand up and tell us where we ought not to be, I need you to be well-versed in where we ought to be. So Matthias was chosen. Now, we know that God controlled the lot. And the options were not that great. The criteria was very simple. Lord, choose which one of us who will stand and take Judas' place, who by transport, Gresham fell, threw himself off the, whatever it was, and he burst wide. I mean, it was really graphic. If you read it, it was, very, it was, it was really graphic, though. You know, it's like, you know, you know kind of like one of those movies, that was shows we watch today. And so he threw him, he said, show, which one? And he gave criteria who came in and out with us, not just among us, all the while the Lord Jesus was on the planet. See, some of you all want to just jump in because you feel like, hey, I got the Holy Ghost. I ought to be in. No, there's criteria. And they picked Matthias because he was the best choice of the two because he never missed a session. That's what that phrase is saying. Never missed a Wherever Jesus showed up, that's where you are. Y'all, y'all still cute. Y'all just drift in when you can and whatever, however way you do it, and then you really think that counts. But Matthias got chosen because he was always present, active, and always on point. So God chose him. But here's what's interesting. God chose him after the 40 days. He was never brought into the original 11 apostles' training. It was to give them the 12th apostle. And if I had to speculate, I would tell you it would, it would be giving them the, Dan, the Danite or the Dan apostle because Dan is the one tribe that is replaced in Scripture. And when God is not going to use you, he shuts you out of everything that would make you rise. Did you have something to say? No. You can't push your way into God's realm. You think you can because you've been taught that I can, you know, put a demand on You can't put a demand on a human will. How much more the will of God? You can't put a demand on a human will. You don't earn your stripes. You don't pay your dues. You don't humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. God's like, are you kidding? I got in this mess because of a cherub that wouldn't humble himself who wouldn't stay humble, who wouldn't apologize, who wouldn't repent, who wouldn't relent. See, that, all of that story, all of that being, he is the consummate epitome of what God was going to use to educate the generations all the way down to the end. You think God didn't give him space to repent? You think God didn't let him know? He had to for the people to know that he's a fair and just God. It's very different. And so, but he will let your mess play out and let it spew and whatever so that the public will know why he's doing what he's doing with you. Good, bad, or indifferent. So when you start thinking about how God thinks, that is how he thinks. One thing a principality of light does is walk in the light. And so he's he's not talking about walking around with light bulbs. Because we think that we can do all of these manual things without the consciousness or the cognizance 
of the light of the world, the man who dwells in, what, what did he say, an unreproachable light. That means it's light you can't even pick at. Sometimes you have to give people other words. It's like unpickable light. You can't find any fault with it. You won't find a flaw in it. His light will not, in his realm, will not show cracks in the wall, dust on the floor, stains. That's what unreproachable light means. It's light where it's only going to bring you into purity. You can look and search his entire soul, his spirit, his soul, his being, and you will not find anything wrong with his light, but it will change you. So when you're a principality of light, you have the mind of Christ. You don't have the mind of just the mind of the man from Galilee. You have the mind of the man that decided to set aside sovereignty to go to Galilee and to be killed in Jerusalem. There, this whole idea that you can just bum rush your positions and bum rush your stations and bum rush the Almighty and bum rush his all. That is why we're here right now. Everybody bunk all untried, all untamed, all on everything, just un. You know, like Isaiah, woe is me, I'm undone. Now you understand what that means. He's like, woe is me, I am undone. I don't have a right to be. He was in the irreproachable light, and the only dark spot that there was there was in him. <laughs> oh, Lord. He said, I'm a man, I'm unclean, I'm a man of unclean lips. Now, why did, of all of the things, for him to choose, why unclean lips? Because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the abundance of what's in the heart will come out that mouth. And so he's saying everything these people think can only produce purity. He said, but I am pulled up here a man full of cussing, criticism. Isn't that what he said? Look at unclean lips. He's like, because, and what does he say? The tongue is an unruly member. So his little unruly member was snatched into God's world, and he felt real unruly. Okay? So when we're talking about Ephesians 3.10 and other ones, but let's just look at Ephesians 3.10, Ephesians 3.10, because we want to, we talked about this a little bit last week. It's probably one of the most um, telling and subtle Disclosures you'll find about the church, Jesus Christ, and Scripture. So Ephesians 3.10, this is where it's all about. Now, Paul, if we're going to talk about, talk about the apostle and all of that, see, one of the things, and I, get, I do, I get the brothers to try to tell me I'm not an apostle, and I'm like, prove it. Prove it. Because I've written two books on the thing, none of which is 50 pages. Y'all be running past some blogs. And most of the books you have out there are up on there. <laughs> most of the books out there are, are your testimonials. They don't help me. I can, I can copy you all day long, but if I don't have the attributes to bring about what you bring about being you, doing your apostleship, I'm just wasting my time. So, and it says, but I want to read this because sometimes you just need scripture. Tell somebody, sometimes we need scripture. Oh, help me, Jesus. I know that's right. Come on, sis. All the right price. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, highlight for you Gentiles. 
That's very important. That is a definer if ever there was one. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me, to you word. Now listen, dispensation, here's some synonyms for you. Are you ready? Stewardship, economy, management. Isn't that something? And let me tell you, look up economy. That includes the treasury and fiscality. That is an Now, what is that? That's principality right there. Right there. He said, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I wrote to you afore in a few words. So he's reiterating the mystery of Jesus Christ, which in other ages, circle ages, if it's your Bible, or highlight it, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men or the, to humanity. Because, you know, now understand, we talked last week, we are not going to be men. See, that's that whole kind of thing that gave LG, VT, all them people the courage to do what they did. You masculinized everything. Because when you look at the original language, you better go and look in the original language and see if it said people, see if it said humanity, see if it, it, it said mortals. Not because King James had a problem with his mama. Is that all right? Can I say that? Because we're, I'm not, you're not going to tell me that, that all God talks about is men. The one thing that God is getting ready to do, he's breaking that religious chauvinist spirit in this era. I promise you. And if he has to take you home to do it, he will do it. Because he's tired of you making people think that he has no women in heaven. And that in heaven there are nothing but grunts, Cinderella scrubbing the floor. He's, I, I, you know, he, God is hot about this. I promise you, by the Holy Ghost. And if you've got three ounces of Holy Ghost in you, you know I'm telling you the truth. God is going to take a lot of y'all home because you held up his word. You made his word a lie. You didn't allow these women to obey him. And you taught them that the commandments of men supersede the destiny of God. It's going to be really ugly as we go forward in this era. And it's going to be ugly because you don't clean up without messing up. Now, so which in other ages he was not was not made known to the children of men or the children of, in the planet. Look it up. Look at the phraseology, as it is now revealed to his what holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So the first thing you need to know is that the dispensation that has been given to me because of my office, my calling, etc., was mysterious until Jesus Christ got ready to open his commonwealth to all nations and all people. And so to the mystery, look at what he's calling it, that the Gentiles, now Isaiah prophesied this, several of them prophesied the nations. When you see nations, it means Gentiles. Uh, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise. Where's his promise? In Christ by the gospel. And you have to recognize this because it's important that you understand that this, every nation has a genetic, geological deity, every single nation. Scripture says to us, everyone walks in the name of their God. We as Christians did not believe the word. 
So all of these gods inrushed our nation, inrushed our land. We're talking about, man, we never saw anything like this before. Man, this is terrible. What is happening to us? Where is this coming from? Hold it. It was always happening elsewhere. But it was not happening here because our Constitution said we were supposed to put Christians and only Christians in power because Christ is the God of our land. Sex slavery, all of those, pedophilia, all of that is what all of those other nations under the government of their deities did and legitimized. They legalized it. And then we brought them in because you didn't realize that when he said he led captivity captive, he said, I took down every one of Satan's principalities, demons, and devils. I paraded them around the planet. I paraded them around creation so everybody would know that as they, what they did in heaven and replicated on earth, I have now halted. Mm-hmm. So that is why America doesn't know what to do with all of this that's happening. Because, see, we called it faith, but heaven calls them, calls them gods. Mm-hmm. And the people worship their God in secret. So when, they, when we elect all of these people, nobody said, well, you know, we're, we're separation of church and state, so we can't really talk about who it is. I don't know why all the, all the other nations do. But we're the only one, because we were the right one, who was full of the liberty of Christ, we had the liberty to turn on him. So he said, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effectual working of his power. The effectual working meanings effectively rendering you fully adequate in Christ. Meet to be partakers of his inheritance in the saints. So that, that's the new birth, and that's the new birth in Gentiles. When, when you get saved as a Gentile, you are literally being snatched from the God of your father's lineage and your mother's tree, and your mother's God comes from her daddy. So you've been, you're snapped from that and you're brought into the, the Lord Jesus Christ because he owns you, because you were in him before the foundation of the world. I don't know. I feel like I'm just... Is that me or what? Jesus, is give, he gives you an opportunity to change your genetic tree, Come on. your spiritual genetic tree, because the spirit comes from the Father. Spirits are in sperm. Souls are in eggs. I'm going to keep saying that because this, our theology has a technology, and it's time for us to explore that technology, come into the right position, the right perspective of Jesus Christ, and the right identity. We were in Christ before the foundation of the world. That means God had all of this not only worked out, he had it tested. Now, he said, Unto me who am less than the least of all the saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He's been rejected by the Jews, but even that's accounted for in the plan of redemption because what people accept, they tend to exclusivize. It's mine, and we got our little club, and that's it. So he says, to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Now, the word fellowship includes communion, but it also includes partaking and mutuality. So what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world 
have been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. So at the beginning of the world, God created everything by Jesus Christ. But listen, but he hid it. He hid it, which is why when Adam perverted, Satan thought he was going to get this, the, the same version that God blew the breath of life into. And in fact, the mortality that God had doomed that serpent with was passed on to all Adam's form. So all died. That's Romans 5. Can you imagine realizing, man, that didn't work. I mean, how did that not work? So he's thinking now that he can use the life of God in Adam's genetic tree, in his sperm, to bring himself from under the judgment of God, the doomsday judgment of God, and would give him the power of life that God had given Adam. And that didn't happen. Instead, Adam died like him. Talk about an unbeliever. He's good. He's good. He's the perfect one to make people be deceived. He can't get out of his own deception. Wow. Now, here's where we go. This is my powerful phrase. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in, in the heavens or heavenly might be known by the church, the ecclesia, the manifold wisdom of God. Here's where I am. Once we get past the evangelist, you need to get into that apostle and prophet so that you understand what it is what you are as part of a member of the ecclesia to God's eternal everlasting world. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that because Jude, Jude talks about them that didn't keep their, the angels that didn't keep their first estate. They didn't stay in the heavenly realm. But do you know that didn't, that wasn't just a station. When we think didn't keep their heavenly state, estate, we think station. No, no. They did not keep their heavenly biotics. They did not keep their physical, their, their uh, created makeup. They did not keep that. They downgraded themselves. That's how you have all of these stupid movies about angels who are envious of us. You envious of us and we being planted like dust? Okay. I just, you know, I just want to be in love. I mean, and trust me, you know, some of these movies are so pathetic. It's like, so you never was an angel. You never going to, uh-uh. You might. Yeah, but, but, you know, but the angel going to hell with you. So y'all will be married in hell. We may never be married together in heaven, but y'all will be married in hell. According to, now look at this. According to the eternal purpose, which he, what did I do? Okay. <laughs> According to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord, whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Now, think about that. A hundred years ago, access would have meant we can walk in and out a door. Is that right? But today, you get access with your eyeball. You get access with your hand, handprint, your thumbprint. See, uh, they, this didn't make sense back then, but he's saying something physiological. Something genetic happened to give us what Satan was denied, that's access to God's realm. We have access. That's why he jumped in Adam. So he thought he can get back in through what God made in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. He did not expect, and I think it was a good experiment for him, because he got an opportunity to see how total and irreversible the doom 
that God imposed, pronounced upon him was that it could not be reversed by anything that God made and approved. So he thinks, okay, I'll get an Adam, which is why you see the, the Holy Ghost is saying in, in the Genesis, it says, hold on, let me send some cherubs down here because he's going to try to use Adam blending his dark wisdom with the, the residual or waning wisdom of light that Adam was made with to talk Adam into getting back in that garden. Because he said, if I can get in that garden, I'll get to that tree of life. And he can't get rid of me ever. Principality, you should think like this. Because God immediately knew, I better block them their way back to Eden. Because if I let him get in Eden, um, it's a shame on God. You, I mean, you're the Almighty. Shame on you. Why didn't you let? Why did you stop him? No, God doesn't think like that. He sent those 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 cherubim, the two cherubim, and listen, Satan knew that because they were his coworkers. So they he knew better than to try that. See, we don't tell the story. We just be telling all of the uh, the little fallen angel, human romanticized stuff. This thing is so great, it walks on its own. It stands on its own. Can you imagine them and he and here he is looking at Adam and, and they're looking at his spirit rapidly, rapidly deteriorating Adam's cells, changing him into his own. All of the lights going out in Adam's body. Because now he has a new God. And he's going, uh uh. So he's going to tell Adam, hey, let's go in there. You can get in. And find these cherubim, looking at these cherubim, talking about, and they're looking at him like, mm mm. And then they put the flaming sword. <laughs> now they called it a flaming sword, but we would call it something else today, wouldn't we? Yeah. Laser. Laser. Mm-hmm. And, but the, it wasn't just flaming. It was also deadly, very deadly. So they just, he put them, and so, and we think that they were stationed at the gate of of Eden, and that all they did was stand. No, no, no. They did a lot of reparations. They had to get that thing back to the holiness of God, because remember, it replicated the garden of God. Y'all bored yet? You guys bored out there yet? So all of that was to lay the foundation that we would know that before paper came the people, our constitution, our thoughts, our sentiments, people had to exist for this to be recorded. People are recorders. They capture and record. Y'all still flowing with me? We talked about this last week, minded purpose. Uh, principality, but to give you just a little bit of a backstory, Jeremiah's call defines the context of a principality. Isn't that good to know? No. Well, I, didn't, I was going to say, I didn't do it. Mine is working. So when you read Jeremiah and you read what God said to him, you begin to understand that David, principality, Israel, as a prince, you have power with God. That word power is prevailing, prevalent dominion. You cannot take down a principality of light. 
in God's realm. They and when what when and they actually establish themselves as in people. So you wonder how some people are big and massive and others are not. I mean the same thing with the principalities of darkness, but I'm not dealing with that. Y'all can buy that book. But you can't. A principality is a verse, a being, a person, and they have. Listen to me. They have total persona. All of it. They have that. They have it. So they have the power to affect every sphere of creation under their domain. Every single sphere. That means affecting the lives, death, birth, visions, dreams, destiny. Their job is to take the fullness of what God ordained for a particular population in a geographical area all the way up to the world. Their job is to take that and to turn it into the will of God and to push back on darkness that would rob your destiny. The power that God puts in that, Peter, well, no, Dorcas, it's not your time. Wake up, all right? Paul, handkerchiefs, snakes off, going to nations, turning nations to Jesus Christ, Gentiles, turning all of these Gentile nations to Jesus Christ. Jeremiah studied that again because it's going to, to give you something to understand the principality and the prophet's realm. Now, when you look at all of that there, understand that that, that holistic being then has the authority to decide who gets what, and they do it by birth. They do it by attributes. They do it by t- talents and traits. You do it by stuff. So if God says, you think about it, reading Chronicles, there's the family that makes the baskets, the family that makes the, the, the guns and weapons, the families that make, that's how God breaks it down. And he uses humans to see to it that the, the, the material world manifests it for his operation as well as the operation of those he puts in charge. Daniel, principality of light in Babylon, can we say that? Daniel, God put him over every, that makes him a principality, over all of the occult powers, all of the occult ministers, agents. Are you all all right? Do we need to stop and pray? Are you all in shock? Oh, she said we're listening. So when I started with the conviction of the apocalyptic prayer thing, when I started that, that's what this was about. And this was leading us to this place. Commissional sovereign elect. The church has got to stop being just members of the body and begin to understand that they are God's elect. That's who you are in Christ, the elect. Now I'm going to move on. This here we'll do in another class because I want to get someplace. So when we look at principality, we can see that it's, the, it's sovereign reign. They, and, and that God put all power in Jesus Christ, and anything that's in Christ has God's power. Has God's power. Whew, I'm going to give you all a break. Do we have some commercials? Yes. I need some commercials. We have commercials. I'll be back. Okay. 
All right, we're shifting. We need commercials. Yes, we're going to take a quick commercial break here. Uh, Rachel's going to pull something up. What are we going to pull up? We have a new segment. Are we going to do the new segment? Hold on, let me just jump over here so you don't have to turn the camera. No, you're fine. Because, I mean, Rachel is superhuman, but she still can't be at two places at once. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> We're introducing a new segment to the Jesus and Paula show. Uh, it's actually two segments, but one. It's either called the Apostles Acumen or eye of the prophet where we are scouting out what's going on in global news we're spying out global events and so we're going to is that that's what's okay so we're going to do this quick promo to let you know what's coming to you in the jesus and paula show we are forever expanding the brand this is something dr price has wanted to do for years on this so check out my quick overview of this and stay tuned China, 
What's mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. in Russia? What's happening in the U.S.? What's happening in Canada? How about small islands around the globe? Technology, as we saw even at our apostolic summit, what diabolical agenda is in the works now? And I actually should say agenda. So as we're rolling this out to you, we want to hear from you. We want your feedback. Uh, as far as each broadcast, post it in the feeds. Let us know. If you find out information of what's going on around the world that you think we should know, let us know so we can hey, keep our eyes all over. So we can, our eyes can be roaming to and fro and roving to and fro around the world to see what God is saying, to see what his enemy is up to, and to see what our plan needs to be for our Lord Jesus Christ. So stay tuned for Apostle Document and Eye of the Prophet, because I tell you what, God is moving, things are happening and shaking. The enemy wants us to believe nothing more than that God is not in control, and we're just helpless, and all we can do is pray, but I think you and I both know by now, <coughs> being on the Jesus and Paula show, that is the last thing that is true. We're going to arm you, equip you, give you strategies, give you insights, maybe give you prayer topics, give you wisdom on what to do in your community, how you can get involved in the change, how you can spread the word to your friends, to your family, how you can network this thing and really get the word of truth out there. A lot of people have a lot of ideas for what the office of the apostle and the prophet are supposed to be. But one of them for sure is guardianship. Guardianship of this kingdom, guardianship of Jesus' blood and what he died for, guardianship of the next generation and what God has in mind. We are mantles of God's future. Both the apostle and the prophet are mantles of God's future. We are literally programmed in our DNA to go back and forth in time by the Lord's Spirit to what he is and even what he has done and what he needs us to do and how we need to prepare. So as we bring you these segments and these broadcasts, it's not to be sensational and it's not to say, wow, but you didn't know that. It is all to tie into what God is doing. We are raising up 2.5 million apocalyptic elect of Jesus Christ who will take this nation back and take this world back for our Lord, for his kingdom, for our Lord in heaven and on earth. That's what we're here to do. So these news broadcasts and these uh, segments are not just meant to entertain. Actually, entertainment is just a byproduct. It's meant to inform, to equip, and to arm. We've learned a lot over the last two years for sure about our role as the apocalyptic elect, how we are more than merely Christians, but that we are eternal beings in the now. What does eternity in the now look like? Well, we're going to start by spying out global events to let you know what's going on. Again, what God's enemy is up to, but what the Lord is up to as well, because we can focus on the darkness so much that we forget that it's always crushed by the light, and that light being Jesus Christ. So stay tuned every week 
or segment of either the Apostle's document or I as the prophet, so we can spy out global events together and take this thing back for Jesus Christ. Okay, now you have it. The new segment coming up, either of the Apostles' Acumen or Eye of the Prophet. I'm super excited. First of all, one of my favorite parts of all of our events are the news broadcast from the prophets, whether it's the videos, the discussion, the panel. I mean, they go all the way in and bring us in. It's like going down the rabbit hole together of the kingdom and say where in the world are we going to end up and how did we get here and as you saw at the end of that always where we are what we face taking the lead always the challenge and everything we do that's a long-standing theme uh, from the episode summits I think way back in the beginning we first started where we are, what we face, taking the lead. We have never deviated from that mandate and that statement as well. Are, are you ready to resume or you want us to keep rolling? She's good. She's good and ready. And ready. I think our brains might have needed a brain break too. Uh, isn't it wonderful that I just kind of do that to your brain and then yeah. just have a whole week to iron it out and sift it out and fall out? Well, that too. But, you know, the the – the whole goal of what we're doing here is to upgrade the consciousness, the mentality, even the sense of purpose and identity in the church. We've lost our way because we have taken on the purposes of darkness. And we've, got, we've kind of, you know, thank God for this generation of millennials. You know, there's been enough of a, a distance from the disgruntled and the disapproving and the now seeking and searching for us to say to the millennials, this is who we really are. This is who Jesus really is. This is why the man got on the cross. This is why he took 39 stripes. This is what we are to be in the nations. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is very clear. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples. So then you had the people that just decide they want to mouth it. So they just said, and teach all nations. No, no, said make disciples. Discipling includes disciplining. Mm -hmm. That's where the word word comes from. Make disciples of all nations, teaching them. Now we're teaching. Teaching them. Through teaching them, they develop the disciplines of Jesus Christ, which are the disciplines of the Godhead and heaven's citizenry. So God is bringing a measure of himself to the planet so that not only is he saving us, not only do we get a new spirit, not only do we get new heart, not only do we get the Holy Spirit, but we also get the understanding of what God means when he said, I will walk in them, I will talk in them, they will be my people, I will be their God, and no one has to tell them to know the Lord. But then Jesus is saying, preach, uh, teach them how heaven works in humans, how heaven works on earth and how the Godhead works in flesh, how heaven works on earth and how the Godhead works in flesh, how heaven works on earth and how the Godhead works in flesh. See, when you are, if you are a Bible teacher, if you are a minister, a teacher, or, or it doesn't matter, five-folder, three-folder, if you're one of those, you cannot lose sight of the fact that it's all about his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. 
heaven does it on earth, and then how the Godhead does it in humans. As he is, so are we in this world. I want to say that because I think that that ought to be repeated again and again and again so that you recognize that this is not about you coming to church and doing your, your good deed bit. This is about your dominion literally abolishing poverty, your dominion abolishing abortion, your dominion abolishing demonic. You are not, we're not going to have an occulturist era. We're going to have the kingdom of the apocalyptic elect. So we are replacing occultism with apocalyptics. That's who we are. That's what we do. That's why we're here. We're not here to say, oh, wow, they levitated. We're here to stop, tell that devil, drop them. Come on now. <laughs> That's what we're here to do. That's who we are. Tell that devil, drop them, and drop them now. We're not here running around from their astral projecting. We're here to arrest them in the spirit realm so that they are vegetable till they leave this planet. That's why we're here. Can you imagine somebody levitating in front of Jesus? He said, oh, wow, I'm impressed. <laughs> that is not what as he is, so are we in this world, me. Can you imagine somebody disappearing and whatnot? Jesus said, wow, wow, I never saw that before. Okay? As a matter of fact, in his presence, they tried showing up, and his very mantle suffocated their exploits, their antics. I won't even give them the dignity of an exploit. They're antics. That's who we are. And that is what got lost. And when we were doing it under the last principalities that God had, you know, Oral and Hagen and all of that, let me tell you, the world was a different place. And a whole lot of people grew out of them, and they became the, the, the principalities of life. They became the powers of God and life. They became the spiritual hosts of righteousness. Oh, see, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to hit it real hard. Hit that thing. Come on, Elsie. Elsie should move, don't you think? I like Elsie. Elsie is my friend. That's the newest member. Sovereign, sovereign elect. And none of this is, is made up. You, I'm telling you, I sat down and dug through these words and realized that that depending on who God is using and the era in which they're being used, one synonym is chosen over another. So you, if you tell me apocalypse, first of all, we got to change the devil's definition of apocalypse. Right, right, absolutely. We got Christians talking about it's all about chaos and destruction. Are you kidding? We are, the, the glory of God being revealed in us is not just destructive or the glory of God being apocalypsed in us yes. in Revelation 8. So when we look at the definitions of it, well, you know, it's doomsday. It's doomsday for devils. If that's your definition, that's fine. That means that our role is very powerful. Because see, doomsday is because it's your doom. It's our reign. So we're reigning. Why would creation wait for us for doomsday? For destruction. Creation is groaning. Come wipe us out. Come kill us, please. Come destroy us. Put us out of our misery, please. No. No. Identity, the key to destiny. I'm going to say that and say it and say it. So wherever there's a piece of knowledge that you meet, you have to find out. You need to do your identity check. 
Is this the identity of Jesus Christ or is it the identity of men? Is this you need to, you know? Yes. We must tell people the apocalypse is us. We are the apocalyptic seed of Christ. We're the apocalyptic offspring of Christ. And how do we know it? Because Jesus Christ gets back home, he's having his celebration, and he's sitting down opening the seals. We seal and unseal. That's what a principality does. God, I don't care how great the world has set things up, if God tells that principality that it can't go, that that prince got the turn on them. Twelve tribes were princes, meaning principalities. They have territory, they have land. That is why we as Christians ought to have land. How did they take us out? They bought our land. So they can call the shots. We have to buy land like crazy. We have to take the seats of power like crazy. We got to put Jesus everywhere, all up in their face. We have to do it, and we're going to have to do it first by faith, then by might, then by right. Ah. See, we have to understand our faith rights, our, our, our elect rights. We are the rightful heir of everything called planet E. That is God's offspring and God's seed. And, that is, and we're going to have to take on the attitude of one who's been entrusted with God's purchase, precious possession, and learn what that means. You have to stop chasing devils. I don't say, yes, you do. You chase your, your devilish family. You keep trying to be like them. You keep trying to let them think that you're... You're right. You're right. <laughs> that was nice of you. Yes. <laughs> you chase your devilish sororities, your devilish fraternity, your devilish neighbors, your devilish coworkers. You sit there and chase them, and you want them to think your God is the best. They're dragging you around with their sin, with their unholiness, with their perversions. You are literally uh, on their leash of their sin and their perversions, and they drag you around like a dead corpse, caught up in envy in them. Yeah, but at least we can. What? Let me tell you, at least I can. I said about, Norman and I were talking about, with somebody today, and I said, you know what, God? I'm sick of this thing happening, so here's what I'm doing. I commissioned the, the rod of correction to haunt this person down and to chasten them until they come to the knowledge of the truth. So I don't have to stand here and do all of those things because I already know that, what did Jesus say? I have an innumerable company of angels, and they have heard the word of the Lord concerning me. God will never elevate you until he tells you what he's given you to stay there. Why in the world is he going to elevate you? That's just a calling. That's not an appointment. That's not a commission. He's just calling you, summoning you. Okay, I'm going to use you eventually. So get yourself ready. When God calls you, it is not for you to push your way in. He calls you for you to go to school, to get in class to be tried, to be trained, because before honor is what? And humility is a nice, I'm going to sound nice, but you ever notice the first three letters of the word humility are H-U-M? And do you know the first three letters of human is H-U-M? When God talks, like when people say to me, well, how did you know? I can't even tell you. To be honest with you, I can't tell you, not because I don't know, but because it would do you no good to know. Wow. 
<laughs> you couldn't even do Well, because it's only going to inspire, it's going gonna, it's gonna to inspire greed, it's going to inspire envy, it's going to inspire conceit and competition, and then resentment with God. You're going to be mad with God. Because a lot of saints are mad with God because they don't know how God does God and how God does creatures. They don't know the man. So they get all caught up in that. And I think about it. I can talk about all of the years of trials and whatever I went through. But let me tell you something. Out of every class, there was a promotion. And out of every promotion, I saw the motion. And, I, and then I got the motioners, those spirits. Until God shows you your spiritual backing, sit in your seat and shut up. Because you'll go out there and fall into, what did he say? The condemnation of the devil. So Satan has a right to condemn. Because God said, I'm tired of losing, and your ignorance is going to make me a loser. I don't want to lose anymore. <laughs> your naivety is going to make me a loser. Your lack of knowledge, your self-aggrandizement, thinking more highly of yourself than your own. I'm going to lose because what you think you know and what I need you to know to give me a win are not the same thing. So you know how to win in your little pool, so you can sit down there and win with your marbles. I'm trying to face off with atomic bombs. You have no idea what God's life is like. It is a very difficult thing. And so then we want to run around and talk about, yeah, but I ought. No, you're not. You, because if, if, let me tell you something. If you order, you wouldn't tell anybody because you'd have sense enough to be afraid. You wouldn't say it because you would be afraid. Like, oh, God. When God started telling me my future, I went, I put my cup over my head and went, please. I said, I said, I said, really, Lord? When he started introducing me to those angels and then everything else, his whole populace, see, you aren't ready because you don't know his world. They haven't even, he's not even allowed them to present themselves to you. Because when they present, that means they attach or attack. You need this wisdom. Do y'all need this wisdom? Yes. Because you, you listen to all of these foolish pastors and leaders telling you just go and snatch and grab and take. I want you to understand you do that. You don't do that in the natural. You don't just run in somebody's office in the natural and tell them off and tell them who you're going to do and who you ought to be. You don't run into your – you'll be lucky if your CEO shows up at the Christmas party. Yeah. And if they do, they pass through. Because you don't understand God's order, and you must understand order. And if you're going to be an apostle, they are the ones who set this order by the Spirit of God. And a prophet, there's a reason why God retired the prophets of the Old Testament when he brought the apostles online. That's another class. Y'all can sign up. So when God started telling me about my elevation, I was like, hey, Jesus, y'all do that? And he started, and he gives you admonishments. And when people start telling me God told them something, I want to know the admonishment because God gives you admonishments. Don't me- no, and some of, you know, Jesus and I have been together long enough. Ours are very brief. Don't mess with me. <laughs> we real brief. We, we, there was a time I got weeks and weeks of <laughs> dissertation. I don't get that. And then we shrunk it. You know better. He can use the short version because he's assimilated. 
and cellulated in you the expanse and the extent of what he's talking about. If God still got to correct you on silly things, silly stuff. Well, not understanding his order, mouthing off as your leaders, judging yourself by something you haven't done, uh, deciding to gossip and tell bear, not keeping secrets, not uh, fulfilling your role, grumbling and complaining, being constantly dissatisfied with the tasks that are meant to prove you. Oh, my. Did y'all like that one? Can I get a bell? I got a bell. See, because you think that all of that stuff that you're doing is grunt stuff, but you know what? You grow from grunt. Grunt grows you because that's the humility that has to be perfected before the honor is bestowed. There's, God has no grunt work. As a matter of fact, Jesus said grunt work is normal. We don't even consider that. Just do your job. Your grunt work qualifies you for upward training. Well, I'm sorry. I just don't I, don't, I don't see how you have to do that. I don't know why you did it in the world. You did grunt work in college so that you can get a career. And many careers told you you had to go back and grunt some more. In their world. <laughs> so show them your grunt degree. Your grunt degree. Because what you call grunt, God calls Assimilation. You know, as corny as this sounds, what we call grunt, God calls wax on, wax off. He's actually psychomotoring in you, giving you the muscle as well as the mind. We want to run with the mind and no muscle, which is why we put you in position. All of a sudden, you're sick. You can't show up. Too much pressure. I'm sorry. Oh, Lord, I got a headache. And when you're sickly, you have to know automatically you're disqualified because God's not healing you for the position. Mm-hmm. Was mm-hmm. that all right, truth. Because either he's going to give you a superpower to manage your issue. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's a superpower. It's not a light thing. It's like people are wondering why you make it every day. And you bring in more than the people that have nothing wrong with them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I got a headache. <laughs> I'm like, did you never hear Advil? I don't take meds. That's only because you want to stay in the bed. Because people who are determined, she asked, yell at her. You asked. Yes, make it play. Every time you turn around, you got a sickness, you got an ache, you got a pain. Listen, if you're over 50, you're going to have them every day because this body is getting ready to get up out of here. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you. And don't get to pushing 70, baby. You're going to have to find that faith of the ages. Baby, woo, honey. You wake. I mean, you can feel great going to bed and wake up in the morning like, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? Exactly. Yes, ma'am. And you go to your job every. Day. You go to God to give you the strength and the grace to work a secular job, and then tell Him you cannot do what He needs you to do for the sacred. 
So then they, I don't know why the Lord won't heal you because it's not benefiting them. He already knows that we will get nothing out of you being pain-free. Nothing. Because the people who really God really wants to use, you never know they have a sickness or a disease. And you know why? They cut covenant with God. Keep me on my feet. Help me get up in the morning. You take care of yourself. But see, all of that other stuff, no, no. Or every time you turn around, you got a family crisis. God is like, but if your family means more than my family, then you go ahead and take care of your family. Because my family is bigger than your family. And actually, when it's all over, you're going to need me to help you with your family. God, and when God says no other God before me, he doesn't mean the God you approve or the God you don't like. He means no other thing. God said, I'm not going to be number two in your world. I'll be distant. I'll be transparent. I'll be in the back, but I'm not going to be number two. And that's what the church is. You, taught, you were taught God is number two doctrine. They said he's number one, but then they told you, they taught you how to make him number two. Yes. Your kids. Well, you know, my kids, I don't want them to hate the Lord. People hate the Lord whether they say not say. And if your kids hate the Lord because you serve the Lord, you need to ask God what spirit is in your kids. Because that's an unclean spirit. <laughs> See, no, because y'all know. First of all, you know the daddies and the mamas of those kids. You know where that kid's genetics came from. You need to start praying the grace of God in your kids. Indulging them makes them think that you and their world are more important than the God that, whose breath they're breathing. I just wasn't having that. And I don't know who you are out there, but God has said, don't come to me in 10 years when your kid is crazy. Because you allow your kids to treat me like garbage. Don't come to me when your children are suffering. Don't even, because you know good mail, they're going to be laying there, the machines going, beeping and carrying on, and they fussing with God. Well, we went to church every third month. Every third month. You weren't there long enough for, for me to even put, include you in the sentence. And then the kid comes to church, and they're allowed to mistreat you and mistreat God? I was like, are you kidding me? I, trust me. Well, wait, what could you do? My kids show off in church. Guess what I'm going to do? Lord, this rebellious, bratty kid that you gave me, and Lord, and I'm calling on the saints in this room right now to help me pray the devil out of my side. <laughs> and, honey, you know what the, the old, my old mama do that? They were embarrassed. That kid would not show up in church, show up in church ever again. God, and in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for chasing him with the rod of correction. I'm telling you, them old mamas would pray all in the kid's face, spitting all over Because <laughs> you always got that spit in your face. No. <laughs> Baby, you <laughs> Honey, talk about mama spit. You got the mother of the church spit. Or, uh, yes, you did. I'm like, you want to stand, you want to stand for me. Yes, I am. And then I summon the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for breaking this child down, whatever that takes. I was never afraid to allow Jesus to correct my children, Hallelujah. ever. Hallelujah. Now, my, I wasn't having that because, you know, I was, but still. <laughs> huh? Did I know, how many times? Yeah, you better know it. 
That's true. That that is true. Let me tell you something. You parents, you do that like you are going to be alive forever. And that you're you're gonna be in control of your child forever and that you can control your child's life and whatever. You may be able to control their wealth, you may be able to control their indulgences, you might be totally in control of all of their possessions and all of their stuff. But let me tell you something, let them find a tumor and see if you can buy it away, because you can't. Find a sickness. All of a sudden, all of that means nothing. Now you gotta go to the God that you taught your kid to give their behind the kiss to. That's where we are today. That is where we are right now. And God has this wonderful cousin, cudgel called COVID. You cannot work for this man and not know what his heart is and what he's feeling. He's like, I'm tired of suffering. I'm tired of y'all treating me like I'm garbage. I'm tired of you. He said, kids that I can actually snuff out while I'm blinking. The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we have got to start doing that. We have got to. And we've got to stop letting these kids think they got it going on. you got nothing going on. I sent forth, forth an angel of chastening and correction. I said, that shall not be. And my prayers count. So we'll find out if your tantrum or my authority. Handles this because we cannot continue to do this. We cannot. Mm-hmm. And you know, and one of the things I do, like I hold back and hold back, but then I, I, I go in, and she'll tell you, I, I, I go in. That I go in my prayer closet. I don't. Sometimes I don't go in the closet. I just go in the cupboard. I'm starting to cook. I'm just like, mm-mm. I call this thing that no. And I promise you, this here, you watch. Three months, three months, it's going to be a different thing. Different thing. So let's look at why we principalities. Would you like to know? Yes. <laughs> well, well I, I know why I am and more, but we'll go on with this. So principality, here's some words, potentate, invisible potentate. Yeshua's princedom, apocalyptic trustees. Legated and princed legate. Legate is a, a, a diplomatic, a, a representative or authority. Nuclear. Did you know principality is synonym for it is nuclear? Yeah, what? nuclear. Trustees, inseminated, and royal. Everything is royal. Understand, no matter how much you you know, the enemy gives you this kind of con that you know. We, we, we are a democracy. We are no longer a monarchy. Everybody's a monarchy because Jesus is the sovereign of sovereign. He's a supreme being. God gave all creation into his hands. So you are a democracy. You may, be, you may be deciding that you want to make, do the paperwork to, to present yourself as a democracy. That's fine, but you're not. Look at this democracy we got now. Is it not acting like a monarchy? Yeah. Is it not acting like a dictatorship? Mm-hmm. Because that spirit of the prince we're allowed to be in place fits these definitions. All of a sudden, this, this, we went from the people rule and the majority rule to what? Now we can talk about you can't go to work. You got to put some, some stupid paper on your face. You can't. Do, uh, <laughs> you realize that they've set us up to be robbed. We, we got 1.4, we, we increased our population by over a million people who've not been tested, cleaned, washed, or anything. Yep. 
over a million people mm-hmm. and will probably never be counted. That All of that is what monarchs do. Mm-hmm. So don't talk to me about we are a democracy. You are a monarchy masquerading under a democratic label. Mm-hmm. Look at what monarchies do. They make unilateral decisions. Right. Mm-hmm. Do they not? Yep. They don't consult the people. Mm-hmm. They dictate. They put people around them that will only answer and obey their dictates. Mm-hmm. They don't have discussion. There's no collaboration. Do as I say because I said it. This thing here that we're living, we think that we got rid of monarchy. We did not. We just let them change their name and do the same game. So we talked about this. The mind of a principality is strategic thinking, tactical maneuver. So they're always in a strategic frame of mind, always looking for the strategy of something, always looking how to, to discern, disseminate, and or, or dissect is a better word, how to dissect what's happening. So you can see it. You can tell a person who is an apostle and prophet by how they respond to various things that are enigmas to everyone else. You can tell an apostolic and prophetic mind by what they call an enigma and how they feel about it, and what they feel is, is um, right or wrong. Now, I'm going to make a, well, there they go. Get out there now. I am. Just on your own time, read Genesis 32:28, where the angel, the angel, the angel, the principalic angel told Jacob, your name is no longer Jacob, yes. but Israel. For as a prince, you have power with God and with men. That is the best definition of a principality. You have power with God. God lends his muscle. He lends his clout. He lends his, his will to you to wield him, his power. You literally wield God's power in the realm of humanity with people. Influence on steroids. And as a prince, prevailing, why? He prevailed with God. You will never. See, you want to go to people so that you can get God's power. You got to go to God, and you got to wrestle with the Holy Ghost. And you got to wrestle with what the Holy Ghost tells you you have or don't have, will or won't do, how you live, how you think. You got to convince God. You're trying to convince people. You can urge folks all day long, but you got to convince God. You got to convince God to send that angel. They're going to get it in a minute. See, God's got to send his angel. He sent that angel for Daniel in lion's mouth, but the Lord has sent his angel. See, will God send his staff for you? Will he send his staff at your word? See, because Jesus said, you know, you'll do well with the commandments of men because people do. He said, but we don't run like that. When, when God was ready to put Zerubbabel in power, he went to heaven. If you haven't understood God's heavenly domain, look at all of the people he made principalities. They've been in heaven. Even if they're undone. I'm there undone. Okay. Hair yanked. God, I hope you're going to grow that when I get back home. <laughs> I'm going to need you to grow some. We sit there. You look at them. 
David, I foresaw the Lord. He was always at my right hand. You can't talk. God doesn't care about your talents. He doesn't care about your attributes. He cares about whether or not you will back him when his enemy wants to take you out and take you down or get you to sell out. You've got to prove to God that you're not going to be a massive power force that destroys regions and continents. Uh-huh. Everybody that God said that God was, they visited God. And he visited them. Moses on the mountains, not once, 40 plus 40, 80 days in God's face. 80 days in God's face. And you know you have it because when you come back, you have a courage and a boldness that doesn't make sense. You're like, what are you saying? Stop it. Be quiet. Shut up. And you're back and that, that, and Lord, and that, that, and God, that, that. And you're like, you're like, your brain is like, stop, you're getting us in trouble. <laughs> your heart is like, go for it. Yes. Go at it. We got it. You cannot demand that God puts you anywhere, uses you in any way, delivers you from anything just on the basis of you. Everything is God's prerogative. As much as we don't teach it, God looks out for God. God is God's number one person. Jesus is his number two one person. Jesus is God's go-to. Why? Because he put everything in Jesus to be his go-to. God has to put things in you. You have to know that he's instilling and he's not just instilling, he's installing. Man, I wish I could go through this with you. It's just so powerful. I'm trying to tell people, no, no, y'all don't get this. Because see, you've been told, well, well, the committee put me in. But do you understand that when God wants look, do you remember the book of Revelation? The end of Revelation, these kings are going to tear up. And what he said, but God put it in their heart. He said, the, the hand of the Lord is holds all of these hearts. So when God leaves you alone, you ought to rejoice. Because if he plans to use you, oh my, he, is, he breathes down your neck. He won't stop. His pressure, his hand is heavy on you. There are some days you'll be like, God, God. And then when you miss it, other people can go 16, 20 years before God mentions that they missed it. Not us. We don't go 16 seconds. What is wrong with you? What are you doing? Why are you doing it? We don't get 16 seconds. I said, God, why? Because we're near and dear. The closer to God you are, the more like his holiness you must become. The more his holiness is going to come after you. It is going to press you. It is going to judge you. It is going to make you feel uncomfortable. That is why people don't want to get close to God. Because that holiness is going to do it. Poor little Uzzah. Poor little Uzzah was just trying to help. I mean, listen, I've been messing with, I mean, come on, I've been playing with this ark all these years. What do you mean? it's It's my responsibility to keep this ark from falling off these cows. It's been in this house. He had parties around it, no doubt, showed friends, looked into it. And all of a sudden, now because God's going home, he's getting uppity. <laughs> Trying to act like you holy and hallowed and stuff. A poor little Uzzah, he go out there to try to help the Lord out to keep the Lord from falling on the floor. And the Lord killed him. Why? Because he was flanked by the right people. His priests were in attendance. They were in proper attire. You understand? And he wanted those priests to know all of this here that I put up with for 20 years, 
I'm not putting up with that any longer. So if y'all going to bring me back home, you're going to treat me right. And you're not going to treat me like I'm a piece of wood and a piece of block. You're going to treat me like I am the Ark of the Covenant. And he go there, now he go there, but poor little other David get hot and the Lord on the floor. <laughs> you go, hard as I work to bring you home, I brought my captains out and I got all of my heroes out and we're going to bring you home in, in grand style and you're going to act like that, be killing people. <laughs> <laughs> now, and so if you want to stay out there, I'll, that's all right. I'll let you go ahead. And then go to where, where does, where does he go? Obedeem. Obedeem said, I don't have a problem with him being God. He could do anything he wants, be God. And tell the kids, touch it if you want to. And as a matter of fact, begging the kid, please don't touch it because he's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. He told you if an animal hit his mouth, then it was going to die. Why? Because God's presence is not just this wonderful, warm, fuzzy feeling. God's presence is electrifying. It's energy. See, when he says he pulls back, he pulls back his power. They didn't know anything about electricity. They did not know anything about atomic energy. They didn't know anything about that when they chose the word power. Right. Y'all didn't hear me. Yes. But God did. He pulls his power back. That is why, you know, you could before when, you, when you're in God's favor, you stand up and hope thousands and thousands of people sway and fall and whatever. You're just standing there. Don't believe it's you. Don't buy the lie. See, because the devil going to lie to you and tell you that it's all about you. It is not. God releases energy. His power. When he said denies the power, he's saying the electricity. Mm-hmm. He's saying all of the energy elements that go for, that he uses for, for clouds and he uses for lightning, he said, I'm pulling. How do you think he stopped Satan? He pulled his energy back. So you still have your attributes. But you keep your attributes if you want. You can keep your talent. Okay, what am I going to do with it without power? That's like somebody saying, I'm giving you a, a, a million-dollar car without an engine. You can't, I can't do it. It's not going anywhere, you know? Nothing to plug into. And so when you think about God's power and you feel it, you feel it. There are times, I mean, I go to lay hands on people. I don't feel anything, but the Holy Ghost is like, well, I'm going to handle this. She said, we do. You know? And then I have, whole, you know, other people that I, I just lift up my hand and the Holy Ghost said, whoa. I'm like, really? Wow. And so I started asking him, when did I get that? You know, when did that come? Because I love it, but I love it for his reasons. You know, and so, and, 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 and if you, like Paul, I can imagine, oh, my God, that must have been something. Peter shadow walking by, just a shadow. How you put energy in a shadow? But yet it is. Those are the things that when we go further in our principality training, those are the things that we will be discussing. As you can see on the screen, this is the principality, principality Acronym, potentates, potentates, royal, intrinsic, nuclear acceleration, acceleration, inseminated princedoms. That means we are, princedom, we are God's principalities by insemination, not by commission, not by affirmation from flesh. Apocalyptically legated, look up legate. I want you to know what that word means. Invisible trustees of Yeshua. So a principality is God's trustee. Look up trustees. Great word. A principality can 
either be a monarchical feudatory or a sovereign state ruled or reigned over by a regnant march monarch with the title of prince and or princess or by a monarch with another title considered to fall under the generic meaning of the term prince. We are not generic, we are genetic. If you're born of royalty, you're royal. A drop of royal blood. You might be number 576 million to the throne, but you're on the list. All right? So we just we just went through this. This is the last one. I thought you might like to take it home. Huh? Principality, words, and acts. You may take a picture if it would be easier. These are the words that go with being a principality. First of all, nation of Jesus Christ. The word principality, synonym, nation. God has government. Why? Synonym, government, empire, sovereignty. I think these two, the next two, do you see the two at the bottom? Did anybody see what's at the bottom, those last big ones at the bottom? But did you see republic? When I saw that in the list, I thought, huh, we are the Lord's common will, his electors. Jesus is civil society. Um, Hebrews 8.2 makes that point. Christ, political entity, okay, politic, body, politic, territory, um, the Lord's body of voters. I thought that was an interesting one. Can you see that one? If you can't, there it is. The Lord's body of voters. So that means we're supposed to, when God wants to win an election, he calls his principalities, and their citizenry to his side. And so we have a principality realm, the almighty's public. And then, I like this one, a power population or population of power. See, we're going to learn these. Every one of these, we are going to learn them, and we're going to, to become them. Constituency, electors, dominion. How about that? The supreme billion kingdom, God's nation state. How about that one? Identity, the key to destiny. When we start getting back, because see, this is all that those other people taught their folks. That's who they are. That's why they're behaving like that. They're behaving like sovereigns because they have no counterbalance. But we're coming up. We are coming up. The Godhead, civil society, predominance. This is who we are, inhabitants of God's realm. I thought that one was really good. God's political body. So I, I, I'm going to end it on that because I think that it makes the point. Does it make the point to you? Yes, ma'am. So when you start looking at what God is doing, and don't just look at these words and say, ooh, wow, don't just do that. Mm-mm. Study each one of these terms till you get down to its applied, applicable persona, and performance, persona, and performance. That means that that's going to give you the mind of a principality. That is going to do it. Amen? Amen. All right. Hey, thank you for joining me this week on 
Jesus and Paul are so, starring Jesus Christ and Paul of Christ. We let Jesus do the heavy lifting since he's the biggest and he's the ancient of days. So he's got to do all of the talking. We let him do it. I am a mouthpiece. Well, he has to because, well, if he doesn't do it, I don't know what to say. Anyway, so we give God all the glory for you. Thank you for joining me this week. Share this. Share, 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 and share it again. And if you want to sow a principality, because you have to sow into what you want to become. Because whatever spiritual things we give you, you must likewise sow materially and correspondingly. So I'm sure Rachel has it up on the screen. I love you all dearly. I thank God for you. I'm asking God to just to, to bless your lives, enrich your lives. I'm, sending for, I'm using my authority for your healing, for your, for your hope, for your restoration, and for your love for Christ. Join us if you're in the area at the embassy, the home of the congregation of the mighty, where God stands. Have a great weekend. And remember... Think differently so you can live powerfully. God bless.